From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm Derek Frost, joined as always by Coach Tony Perenni. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. And of course, you can find us on Podbean. We've got another great show lined up for you today. We're going to be going through some uh, Gronk Watch. We're going to be going through some Keepers. uh, Talking about who's going to be back in the draft. Some guys we expected, some guys we didn't. And we're going to be joined by Coach Vince Gorgonzola on the back half of this of this podcast. We're really excited. Tony, you ready to get underway? Absolutely. We finally have some real keepers to talk about. It's not hypothetical anymore. We can see exactly who everybody's keeping, exactly who is going back in the draft. It's a big night, Derek. So let's get right into it, right? There's a big name, Tony. There's a big name going back in the draft that I don't know if we expected to go into the draft. That's for sure. And we've been talking about him a lot on this show. I'm really excited about it, Derek. Matthew Stafford, back in the draft. Matt Stafford, here he comes. Let's go. Was that the guy you were talking about, Derek? I'm I'm assuming Uh, it was. No, I I have no intention on having a third Matthew Stafford talk uh, before the season starts. I was going after Zeke Elliott. He's coming back in the draft. Uh, Coach Gorgonzola not deciding to keep him would not have cost him a whole lot of money if we look. Uh, let's see here. Zeke was uh, kept last year for forty-seven, so he would have he would have only cost Vince fifty-two. ESPN has him for fifty-three point four. I mean, we've been talking about how these running backs we think were undervalued. They were going to go for higher amounts in the draft, but Vince. Rolling the dice, saying, I don't need that guy. Uh, we're going to go on without him. Yeah, and we uh, we discussed this a little bit yesterday on our, our, our little keeper preview that we did um, on the eve of the keeper deadline. And uh, we discussed how the, we thought there was like a small, slim possibility that Zeke could get thrown back in. But we both kind of assumed that it was a given that Vince was going to keep him. He was pretty much at the market price there. Um but just with, with the holdout going on right now, you can see it's starting to make some uh, fantasy owners out there very hesitant. And I didn't really I didn't really know this was a thing today that we need to keep our eyes on until I, I received a text from Vince today at 12.58 p.m. He said, I have no idea what I'm going to do about Zeke. I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> it it, it felt, felt like real draft day when, like, you went into the draft thinking the Browns were going to take Sam Darnold the whole time. And all of a sudden, like day of the draft in the morning, you start hearing Baker Mayfield rumblings and they just keep getting louder and louder. It's like, like you didn't know it was a story until finally somebody said it. And then all of a sudden you couldn't not hear it anymore. And turns out Vince throws him back into the draft as a big, big fish for our draft next week. It really is, you know, and okay. So let's, let's take the step back here and let's, let's look at the Zeke situation, right? So he's still holding out. Jerry Jones makes the comment the other day, uh, Zeke who? And then looks at the camera and says, oh, we're having a laugh, not at your expense. Today, Zeke and his agent come out saying they didn't think that was funny. They felt disrespected. So where Jerry Jones has been talking all preseason about, look, I've been here before, makes the weird comments about if your arm, if your hand is chopped off, you run into the woods, 
you know, whatever. But it's really looking like this deal may not actually get done in time for the season. Tony, what do you think? I think it's really weird to think that that wouldn't happen because he's, he's still getting fined every day. He's not there. And, and you don't collect any game checks during a season if you don't show up. You don't accrue a season if you don't show up. Um, I guess he could still show up by week 10 and technically accrue his season, but I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just trying to save some miles on his legs at that point. I have a hard time believing he's not going to show up for week one. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's starting to look more and more like that. Um, I, guess, I guess I'm staying on the side of the fence where I was. I think he's there week one, but it's getting harder and harder to ignore the whispers out there that say otherwise. And, and so if you're Vince today, you're looking at this situation, seeing that it's not getting any closer to being done, and uh, you're kind of you're kind of stuck at the end of the day. You know, fifty two dollars is is a quarter of your budget. It's a lot to throw down on a guy that you don't know when he's going to come back. I don't think it's a matter of if I, I do think it's a matter of when, because like you said, he's got to come back by week 10. Uh, you'd have him down the stretch at a minimum. But even if he sits out a game or two, I still think he's worth that. Yeah, especially if you if you can make a play in the draft to go get Tony Pollard, who's going to be backing him up, who is probably going to be used in similar fashion to Zeke. I can't imagine they're going to split carries with Pollard and anybody else. They've been hyping him up the entire training camp. Um, it seems like a way that you can kind of create a nice handcuff there and one that's going to get high volume for you. Um, it, it, it's hard to sit here and, and tear apart Vince for the strategy, though, because it's all about risk mitigation on his part. He's not accepting that risk for the big dollars. And if you look at what he's done with his keepers now, he has Nick Chubb, $6, Kenny Galladay, $6, and Zach Ertz, $16. He's going into the draft with $172 to spend. Um, and he's got a really good running back, a good number one receiver. Might not be an elite name, but he's a solid receiver. And you have a number one tight end in a league where not a lot of people are going to have legit number one tight ends. So, I, th- I still think Vince is sitting in a pretty good spot going into next week's draft. Yeah, and I don't think the intention here isn't to crush Vince on this on this Zeke call. It is a tough one, and I, I don't know what I would have done if I were him. I think I would have rolled the dice, but you definitely understand him not. But I, I think you know this time next year, I, I think Vince is going to be sitting pretty good with his keepers. It's all going to come down to how does Zeke perform this year or how, how much does he go for in the draft? You know, if if he goes for this value or more and gets hurt, all of a sudden Vince is a genius uh, for letting him go. But if if he goes for about this and goes off and is the number one back in the league, then, you know, man, what a regret. Yeah, and think about it this way. What if Vince goes back after him in the draft? And what if he ends up paying $52 for him? It's almost like he snuck a fourth keeper onto his roster at that point. You got Kenny Galladay for cheap. You got Zeke for the same price he would have got him if he kept him. So I'm having a hard time seeing Zeke going for over 52 bucks with his situation right now. Um, He's probably upper 40s, low 50s in value right now. So do you still chase after yeah, and absolutely you can. I think, you know, a week in the NFL is a long time. So where is Zeke a week from now? 
Um, because we're gonna be drafting exactly a week from now. Zeke's may be already be off the board at that time. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens with him. It's something that we're going to keep an eye on, and especially as we reflect back on the season, this is going to be a big thing we talk about. Either, like I said, either Vince is going to be a genius or it's going to be a big regret for him. Um, hopefully, hopefully he looks like a genius by, at the end of this. I, what, I do, what I think, though, for sure is that the Nick Chubb pick, I think, is great. Galladay pick is great, and the Ertz pick is great. So I think his keepers are really good. Um, I think if he had a fourth keeper, it'd be Zeke. But you're stuck to three, and I'm sure it was not an easy decision for him. Yeah, you can't argue with any of the guys he kept, really. And I'm just, I'll, just, I'll just end the discussion on, on this note. If you had told me early last week that once the keepers were released, we'd be talking about Zeke going back in the draft and David Johnson being kept, I would have told you you were out of your mind. That has a complete reversal of roles from where I thought we'd be sitting at this time. Yeah, definitely, definitely surprising. Um, speaking of surprising, uh, another keeper that you know we we talked about our, on the last show, who we thought was going to be kept based on what we heard from coaches and and was predicting Tyler Kerr's team. Now, Ty told us that he was going to keep White Woods and Landry. Now, you and I talked that Landry didn't seem like he he was really going to keep him. Uh, but I think we expected James White to be kept, and he would have had him at a at a pretty good value there. Looking here, so James White would have been kept for six dollars. ESPN had him going for twelve, so it would have been a pretty good keep. Robert Woods, of course, is a is a pretty good keep value also. But the coach who told us he wasn't going to take any tight ends kept one of his tight ends he had two rob gronkowski and vance mcdonald now obviously he didn't keep gronk so vance mcdonald he paid 13 in free agency for last year which means he kept him for 18 average auction value tony 1.8 ouch Ty kept Vance McDonald at a value of negative 16. Tony, you agree with this keep? So so Ty kept Vance McDonald for the Rob Gronkowski price, essentially. Uh, it, it's funny, when, when, when these came out at 8 today, I, Tyler was one of the first ones I looked at because I wanted to see if the Jarvis Landry thing was true. I immediately saw it was Robert Woods and Vance McDonald without without looking into the values or anything. I, I thought to myself, oh, we're not going to be able to torch Tyler on these these keepers. These are actually pretty solid. We've talked uh, nonstop about where the tight end position is. Vance McDonald is a pretty good young one who has a great opportunity in Pittsburgh coming up. Um, if you could get him for low dollars, then it, it's a good pickup there. And in my head, I just kind of assumed he was going to be like $6. Until we find out he's eighteen dollars, and I don't know what Tyler's doing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really mind-boggling here. I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I, I think you know what was he what was he listening to the podcast and hearing us talk about tight ends and said, hey, I have what they're predicting is going to be the tenth best tight end in the league for less than twenty. Let me grab him. Uh, you know, 
we talked about that there's there's five tight ends kept in this keeper group. So there's not a ton out there, but ooh, this one hurts. Let me just start by saying he he made a great decision by listening to our podcast and letting that lead his decision here um, as far <laughs> as what position to keep. Um, unfortunately, the tight end scenario didn't fit his situation in this one. You, you know, know, the reasons that you're looking to keep guys um, are usually twofold. It's either you have a great value on them, they're a, a good player, um, but you just have a great price on them, depend, regardless of where they're going to go in the draft, so you're getting value out of it. Or they're an elite player, you're willing to pay the elite player price early on them and lock them in. That doesn't fit Vance McDonald in either situation here. Um, for a guy who's trying to shake the stigma of drafting two kickers, this is this was not the move to go. Um, maybe he should have gone no tight ends. <laughs> So one thing for sure, uh, Ty is not going to go no tight ends this year. He's going to go at least one overpaid tight end. Uh, Ty, we love you, but man, that's going to be a rough keeper. We're probably going to get on you over the season for this one. <laughs> well, that's a nice segue into what I, what I would say is the third big story with these keepers. Um, you, you touched on it there briefly. It's a tight end position. There's five tight ends kept right now. And out of 10 teams in the league, I mean, there's only five owners out there looking for a tight end next week in the draft. It'd be interesting to see what prices those tight ends that are left end up going for with only five guys really going after them. I'm sure, I'm sure um, some guys in here who already have tight ends might go for a second, but they're not going to pay big dollars for them. So kind of shrinks the pool of people that would be in that tight end market. Yeah, but uh, for those five coaches, Vance McDonald – not going to be your pick. Ty's got him. Not on the board. <laughs> yeah. So can we talk about one of my favorite topics? Yeah, sure. All right. As you guys know, I've said it here before. You are probably sick of hearing about it. We have another edition of Gronk Watch. He's the Gronk when he's out on the field. Hey, Gronk, I need you. This is Gronk Watch. Rob Gronkowski, rumor has it, may not be coming back to the Patriots. But that doesn't mean we won't be seeing Robbie G this fall, Tony. Rumor has it, Rob Gronkowski will be on Dancing with the Stars this season. All I heard you say there was that Rob Gronkowski is in is conditioning to come back from football. That's that's all I heard right there. You know, it just may be so. Now, it's a rumor, but it's a pretty good one. So we'll find out Wednesday morning. Good Morning America will have the, the, the lineup for Dancing with the Stars. The season premieres on September 16th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I can guarantee you one guy here is going to be watching. Robbie G knows how to get down. We've seen him post-Super Bowl. I can't wait. But I'm hoping he gets kicked off early, goes back home, sitting around, thinking, man, I could go catch a couple more touchdown passes. 
It's, pro- it's probably likely. This is probably how it's going to happen, Derek. I, I, I'm with you on this. <laughs> you, you say he's going to be on Good Morning America on Wednesday? They're announcing the, the rosters on Good Morning America on Wednesday. Okay. So we'll okay. know for sure one way or the other Wednesday morning. And you better believe if he's on there, I'm watching. I was gonna say, like, we we, we got to see him in person. Like, is he still jacked? Is he is he skinny? Like, what? Uh, is he in game shape? Like, these these are must see appearances at this point. We have a Gronk watch going on. Like, we have to see this stuff. Yeah, did you hear the sound bite uh, when we announced yeah. Gronk watch? We have a Gronk yeah. watch sound bite now. This is legit. This isn't some you know Matt Stafford talk. No, no, no. This is Gronk watch. We're serious. So you're saying somebody, one of these five owners that are still in the tight end market are going to draft him as their tight end? Like tight end one next Monday? Not tight end one. Not tight end one, I don't think. But tight end two. If I, like, let's just say you're, you're Vince right now, right? You got, you got Ertz. Solid number one tight end. Tell me you don't grab, grab Gronk there at the end. You have your trade value, built-in trade value. He's not going to be your tight end number one. There's too much doubt, especially if he is signing on for a TV show that, that will run most of, if not all, the fall. I think that that is a pretty good indicator that he's not looking to come back early in the season. Does he have another playoff run in? Maybe. Maybe he's positioned himself to uh, strong arm the Patriots a little bit and get those calls going now. He has something going on. Um who knows? But uh, if, if you throw Gronk in your tight end two slot, uh, it's probably not any worse than throwing like Jesse James in your tight end two slot. So um, I, I still stand by he's getting drafted next Monday. Um, it's just a matter of where and for what value. Like, do you think do you think he goes for over three dollars? Oh, I'm setting you over under at three dollars. I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good over under. I can tell you this: if I were in the draft and I could get Gronk for four, I'm taking him. I think somebody does. Uh, so you know he's going to get put up for a dollar. Somebody's going to say two. Somebody's going to say three, and I'm going to be sitting there screaming my head off to go for four. And I think I think somebody will go. <laughs> Sitting there pounding the bid button that you don't have. <laughs> Listen, I am a co-owner on Steve's team, technically speaking. Uh, that that button is going to be there. And boy, is it going to be hard not to press. <laughs> Just saying, if you accidentally picked Gronk for Steve's team, it would be the lead story on our podcast recap the next day. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Steve, I, I won't do it. Don't don't take me off your roster. <laughs> <laughs> league media director blackballed from draft. <laughs> That's gonna be the league story. <laughs> Get my press pass taken away. This is this is embarrassing. <laughs> Tony, let's I guess let's wrap up here with this last conversation. Uh and that's that's the Antonio Brown situation. So let's recap Antonio Brown. So he has the frostbitten feet. He really hasn't practiced much. 
he had this helmet dispute. He's upset now because the the shut helmet that he had that was 10 years old, he then goes and tries to find a newer model. NFL rushes out to test it and finds that it's not does not meet their standard. He's upset because when Tom Brady wanted a helmet tested last year, they gave him a one-year grace period to do it. But with AB, they didn't. Um, now, if we want to go through the reasons why Tom Brady... Uh, is more deserving of the NFL to give an extra year than AB. We can. I don't choose to. So AB is very upset. He is so upset that he just can't practice, can't be on site with the Raiders. So GM Mike Mayock comes out yesterday and says, listen, AB, you're either all in or you're all out. AB reports to practice today. Do you think this is the end of that situation, Tony? Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know AB? <laughs> and, and calling him out in the media is probably just going to st- stoke the fire, really, um, in that situation. You know, AB is a pretty sensitive guy. Uh, if somebody comes out and calls him out in the media, he's probably going to respond the opposite way. So, yeah, he'll show up for practice today, and then tomorrow, who knows what he's going to be doing. Um, just, to, just to add a little bit of color to – the helmet situations for Brady last year and um, for Rogers, there was was a couple other guys using old models last year. That rule was grandfathered in for everybody last year. It wasn't just for Tom Brady and for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was using the helmet last year. He had a one year grace period with it. Everybody who's using those old helmets knew throughout last year, this was the last year for this next year, that grace period's over. You're going to have to go with one of the 34, 35, uh, approved helmets that we have for the league. It's, it's a safety concern. Um, no, there's there's no way we're letting you go with these old helmets anymore and putting you at risk um, and, you know, possibly subjecting ourselves to giant lawsuits from you later on if something comes up. Um, we have to protect our own ass on this one. So I think the NFL is making the right move on this. Brady hadn't have any, I mean, he, I'm sure he wasn't happy about having switched his helmet this year, but he did it. Rogers did too. Um, the only one who's raising hell about it is Antonio Brown. Um, and, it, you know, the Raiders are bending over backwards to try to find some uh, solution here for him to get him to stop being a clown about it. And he's just continuing to do the AB thing. So you're, you're seeing right now easily why he only went for a third and fifth round pick. It looked like it was highway robbery at the time. Um, but it is very evident that that's where his market price was at the time because of the way he was behaving. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, he is a, he is a top talent in the NFL that is just throwing hissy fits. Is this to get out of practice? Is this to get more media attention? I, I don't know, but man, if I'm the Raiders, I'm like, this may not be worth it. No, no. And he hasn't played it down for you yet. And he's creating this much of an issue. Like Mike, Mike Mayock comes out in, in the media, calls him out, basically drawing a line in the sand before the season even starts. That's a bad situation. I know it's probably making for great hard knocks ratings, but according to what you said, they're not showing any of it anyway. Um, it, I, I, it, I, it just bothers me seeing Antonio Brown act like this because his story is, is so good. You know, um, 
going up to playing in the Mac, being primarily a punt returner in the Mac, um, you know, small school gets drafted in the sixth round, works his ass off, becomes a legitimate number one receiver, probably one of the top ones in the game for five, six years. And he acts like this all the time. And it becomes so hard to even root for him anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm sick of talking about it, uh, but unfortunately, it is, it is big news, and it really affect it affects the the fantasy piece. But man, between the feet and the helmet, uh, Marty, if we don't talk about AB ever again, <laughs> yeah, you know it's not going to happen though because we have a draft preview coming up in a couple of days here, and um, that's going to be one of the big things we're going to be looking for is what what price do we think he's going to go for? So we'll we'll table that discussion and for a couple of days and revisit it then. Excellent. Stick with us. Next up on the Frosty Podcast, Coach Vince Gorgonzola. We've talked about him this, earlier in this podcast. Uh, we're going to see what he what he ended up deciding to do and what made that decision about the Zeke. Stick with us. This is Derek Frost on the Frosty Podcast. You know, when we moved a couple years ago, we had to say goodbye to our house, old neighborhood, and even our fitness instructor, Luckily, we worked out at Thurber Total Fitness, a national chain with over 300 locations across the country. When we arrived here in Youngstown, it was so easy to settle in. We loved our new home, hit it off with the neighbors, and didn't miss a set thanks to Thurber Total Fitness. To find out where the nearest Thurber Total Fitness location is to you, visit their website at thurbertotalfitness.com and click on their directory. That's thurbertotalfitness.com your number one club for fitness across America. Now here's more Frosty Podcast. Joining us on the Frosty Hotline is a coach new to our league, taking over my old roster, and somebody we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast, decides to put Zeke back on the draft block. Welcome, Coach Vince Gorgonzola. How you doing, Vince? And I'm doing very good. It's a pleasure to be here. In true Italian fashion. We love it. <laughs> you ready over there, Vince? I saw your uh, Jameson just ran out. Do you need to grab some more? You know, I do have a fresh bottle of Jameson uh, in, in the in the liquor cabinet, but instead I'm going to switch to my bur- my my go-to, my bullet bourbon after that. So, um, uh, Good choice. You know, switching from whiskey to bourbons is a little risky, but you don't want to go the other way around. As I've learned uh, in my field guide to whiskey book, um, proudly uh, owned by... Vince Gorgonzola. So um, I'm about chapter two. I keep drinking and passing out to be able to read the rest of it, but I'll, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> this is baby steps. Now, Vince, let me ask you this because you, you've been named Vince Gorgonzola on here because we don't know how to say your last name. So can you officially for the listeners pronounce your last name? Of course. Well, if you were listening to all the podcasts and hearing, you know, the the, the sponsored uh, advertisements in the middle of the segments, it's pronounced pretty well, actually, with uh, a Provenciale is, you know, the really the proper way, I would think, to say it. But everybody just, you know, you could say Provenzale is kind of the uh, Americanized version of it now. Uh, but definitely the if you say it with a little bit of song, Provenciale, you know, <laughs> can saunter with it a little bit. Love it. We're going to stick with Gorgonzola, if that's all right with you, because uh, I, frankly, I just I like it. It was provolone for a while, so Gorgonzola is an upgrade, I think. 
<laughs> Profiloni makes a little more sense, though. <laughs> yeah, but Gorgonzola is funnier, so that's great. I think that's stick with it. <laughs> and I know that you, I see that you took it and ran with that because your your team name, of course, Grandpa's Cheese Barn, and I have to imagine that that is the Gorgonzola uh, recall there. Absolutely. I mean, there was definitely a good partnership there. I, I came in with uh, my Italian name and he said, how perfect with that. I need an Italian section of cheese, you know, and, and Grandpa's Cheese Barn really, obviously their, their slogan of meat, cheese and fudge. And, uh, you know, Grandpa always says, you know, eat more cheese. So obviously it works out perfectly for me because that's one of my favorite food groups. Yeah, he's cut a perfect promo for his team right there. <laughs> Proudly sponsoring. Uh, and also a shameless plug for our uh, gig, Gal and the Groove Souls, at Willowick Lounge, September 27th. Be there at 8.30 p.m. Proudly sponsored by Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Excellent. Excellent. We will be there. Maybe we can do a live podcast from the event. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set up your little studio on the right section next to the uh, the bar. That'll be perfect. Love it. Love sure it. everybody's looking forward to us yelling into the microphone for 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's better than what I'm doing. <laughs> so Vince, uh, most of the people here, are, or some of them probably don't know you too well. Give give your history in the, uh, in the area of fantasy football, because you're new to the league. Um, we don't know if you have any experience going the auction form. I know that you do have some fancy football experience. So uh, go ahead and give us a rundown of uh, your your experience there. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been uh, playing technically since 2013. I would say that's uh, the time I really started to to, to nail down a, a, a league and, and continuously play in it. And that would be the Avery Dennison Finance League. So um which I have won uh, first place. I think that was what, not last year, but the year before. Last year was a disaster. We can get into that later. But the year before, winning that league was fantastic feeling uh, after um, being in the running almost every single year and also destroying Tony in that, in that year. So, um, But I can remember back in 2011 when I was sitting in a, a local bar in not Dayton, Ohio, a suburb of Dayton called Miamisburg. Um, posting up at the bar and watching football and saying, what is all this fantasy football all about? And I started looking it up. I downloaded the Yahoo app on my, I think it was a Blackberry at the time and, um, and started watching and seeing how the points rolled up and it just became very intriguing. And at that point I started dabbling, but wasn't actually serious about any, uh, any leagues, but definitely 2013 is when I officially kicked off, I would say my, uh, my career in fantasy. Now, all the leagues I've played in, though, have never had a draft. In fact, they just got more ridiculous, more ridiculous, where they said, you know what, let's start having, uh, you know, 20 points per defensive touchdown or something like that, you know. So all of a sudden you're you're in the 500 points a week kind of uh, kind of league. And, and then it's just you might as well just throw all your papers out the window. So uh, those are the kind of uh, leagues that, that mine had started to get into. And, you know, paying 10 bucks a year for uh, for that was just not good enough. And something like uh, a punishment of the ACT test and um, this fabulous, uh, I would say, group of competitors is what I was looking for for the next step. And I think I've uh, gotten to that point in my career, but I've never been part of an auction draft. So here's to you guys teaching me. I would say my biggest piece of advice to you, Vince, is when a kicker gets put up on the board, you may bid once, but when the second kicker comes up <laughs> on the board, go ahead and let him go. What about that Just third kicker? 
<laughs> you know three what? kickers would be a record if you go for three. <laughs> just, just letting you know. I don't know if you're into breaking records, but uh, yeah, that, that would be a big one. I may have a lot of draft dollars to throw around. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, certainly new to the auction draft setup, but not new to fantasy football. Um, so you've seen a roster or two. So uh, how do you feel about the roster that I've I've given to you? You know, it was pretty solid, actually. I mean, Andrew Luck wasn't a terrible, uh, you know, quarterback to have. I know that there was uh, a lot of injuries uh, in his career, but when he's healthy, he can put us on solid numbers. So I think a good quarterback. And, of course, who wasn't uh, a fan of the the Fitzpatrick, uh, the, what was it called, the the, the the Fitz magic or something. It's magic. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. I, I remember watching, uh, uh, it, one of the games where he had that crazy throw and, and kind of gave the camera a look that you would say, I think he's ready to murder somebody. One of his battle cries. And I, so it was fun to have him, uh, in, in the league as well. And, and you never know when he was going to come back and give you some more of that magic. But, um, obviously Zeke being a powerhouse running back and a solid player to have gave me some pretty tough decisions this year, but, um, then you got Devonta Freeman. I mean, that was a fantastic pickup. Uh, I know he had his injury problems too, but solid running back. And obviously you dropped Zach Ertz in my lap, which I cannot thank you enough for that. Um, uh, coming in with a good keeper value and, and not a lot of, uh, dollars compared to where his auction is. And then clearly you had some kind of crystal ball with Nick Chubb, knowing that he was going to be something spectacular and that, you know, we were going to lose, uh, Duke Johnson and that Kareem Hunt would not play until week nine, potentially. So uh, you gave me a lot of great uh, weapons. One that I think is uh, is interesting that I didn't even know of the, the player, uh, really, until I started reading up a little bit about him in the nth hour of our keeper selection, Kenny Galladay. So um, very interesting prospect and supposed to have a breakout season, uh, I think, in his third season or fourth season now. So um very interesting lineup of uh of players he gave me and I, at first i was thinking derek if anything happens to my season this year i'm blaming it all on you and you quickly turned that around and said it's obviously poor ownership <laughs> well i will say this vince if if all of these nice things you said about the roster is a, an attempt at flattery so we will go easier on you in the podcast let me remind you of this flattery will get you everywhere my friend uh, I have a pretty <laughs> So, you know what? You might have uh, saved yourself a bit here on how much ridicule you'll get throughout the year. Well, you know, I, I just want to give a cheers to Derek uh, for happy birthday to Derek, by the way, because uh, I haven't said that in about, I don't know, four gigs. So I appreciate uh, you coming out and supporting us. But uh, I, I believe it is your birthday tonight, isn't it? August 19th. That's your birthday, right? You know, every day is my birthday when Vince is here. Uh, so <laughs> can we give the background story on this? Uh, so, so Vince, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Vince was in a band called Paradox that we were all a big fan of, and we would often go to the shows. And I don't remember why. I think Joe yelled that it was my birthday, and so you have the band sing "Happy Birthday" to me, and then later we tell you it wasn't actually my birthday, but that now becomes tradition. <laughs> if I'm there and Vince's band is on. They're singing me happy birthday. Uh, You're not leaving out a key detail, though, because you you hate to have to be publicly sang to for your birthday. Hate it. <laughs> so you can't leave out that little detail. 
No, and that's an important thing. My wife knows that it, like if we're out at a restaurant on my birthday and she tells them it's my birthday and they come out and sing to me, that's an immediate divorce. <laughs> it's in the contract. It's fair. It is. Fair. So, yeah, the fact that every time we go out, uh, Vince has the band sing happy birthday to me is really um, it's embarrassing to me. But I've grown I've grown to appreciate it to be honest. And I always feel a little bit bad because partway through some drunk lady will be like, it's Britney's birthday too. And then you sing happy birthday to Britney. Uh, and you I say, feel bitch, bad. Don't, it's not, it's, this is my moment, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's fun stuff. So that's really interesting. You went from barely knowing who Kenny Galladay was at the beginning of the day to doing your research throughout the day. And deciding to keep him, which that prob that really fits into um, our analysis from a podcast standpoint, because we've literally talked about Kenny Galladay uh, zero <laughs> through what ten podcasts so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today's the first Kenny Galladay reference we've had, so uh, it fits the bill. I like to provide content. We can appreciate that, Vince. Just like in uh, in 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 the, the the vote for what is going to be the league uh, um, theme, you know, coming in last second with my vote, I came in last second with my keeper, literally 25 minutes before the deadline. Have yeah. to say, you really have a flair for the dramatic so far. <laughs> uh, in, in a league that is increasingly becoming more and more about podcast content, you are delivering on a regular basis, and we love it. It's my job. <laughs> we can't. We cannot thank you enough. <laughs> so Vince, keep it, speaking of the keepers, you know, we talked about Zeke a little bit, and I think Tony and I, we, we both predicted on last podcast that you were going to keep Zeke. So to throw down a couple of the stats on, on Zeke again here, you, uh, I kept him last year for 47, so it would have cost you 52. His average auction value on ESPN right now is 53.4. So essentially you would have kept him at market value. Um, you decided to go ahead and, and throw him back out in the draft. What was your thought process as you as you made that decision? So uh, honestly, I mean, I, for, until basically 7:30 tonight, I was thinking about uh, keeping him. And I even listened to the podcast uh, that you made yesterday, right before started, probably at six o'clock. And I started listening. I go, and then you made some good points about maybe throwing him back into the draft and seeing, you know, I could basically either get him cheaper if everybody's afraid or if I needed to throw an extra couple, you know, 10 or 20 bucks. And if I really wanted him, I could get him pretty much at that same value. So, um, you know, it was really tough for me to make that decision. But I look back at the nightmares that I had in my in two of my leagues last year where I drafted Le'Veon Bell first overall. And and I held on to him, got a lot of good trade possibilities. And I said, you know what? When he comes back, he's going to tear you guys up and I can't wait. And then I ended up losing him for the whole season and get nothing for him. So um, for fifty two dollars, a quarter of my auction uh, uh, allotment, I just don't feel like it's worth it uh, to, to run that risk. And Jerry Jones really fucked the pooch on this one. Right. He just kind of said, you know what? Zeke, we'll get him. And if not. I'm a billionaire. I don't care what he says. I'll get a, I got a, what is it? Pollard? Is that who it was that, that kind of ran this? Pollard. Yep. <laughs> as much as I, as I, uh, you know, cherish running backs in fantasy because they just provide so much value and so much, 
so many points. Um, you could so easily turn somebody around like uh, an Alvin Kamara out of nowhere. They just start turning points away. And really, it's a Dallas uh, offensive line that drives um, Zeke's, uh, I think, um, just his, the, the amount of points that he can generate in any given game. So really, I, I think um, if Zeke plays, great. And he's going to provide somebody that's going to be willing to throw that money out there all those benefits. Uh, if he doesn't play or if he waits a couple games or even like eight weeks, like I waited for Le'Veon Bell, that, those are eight games that I can potentially lose with a quarter of my draft uh, allotment. So I'm not willing to go down that road again. Um, I had a lot of uh, nights where I watched uh, Le'Veon just, you know, continue to uh, post pictures of him in Florida on a jet ski and thinking, God, I wish I wouldn't have spent that first draft pick on you. And then I just threw down some uh, bullet bourbon. By the way, Dave Peshian, I'm trying to catch up to you with uh, how many beers did you crack? Seven beers? I think it was seven beers. I'm going to pass you tonight. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's luck- what... luckily, luckily, Zeke isn't in Florida right now. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to see him there. He's in Cabo. So, uh, Cabo, um, yeah. No, Cabo Wabos, we know that. Upgrade. <laughs> uh, you, bring, you bring up some good points, though, with the, the Dallas offensive line. you got to think... Zeke's probably costing him more money by not showing up because if Tony Pollard goes in there and starts ripping off a couple good games, I'm not saying he's going to be Zeke, but is it uh, is that far-fetched to think he could have DeMarco Murray produ- productivity in that offense? And that, that would move the offense there. Right. I mean, how many running backs are going to be successful with uh, a quarterback like Dak, Dak Prescott, who's not, you know, he's not the, the, the top, I think, five, but he's he's a good one. And you've got uh, the, the great offensive line and you got a, you know, a, a decent offensive scheme in general. Um, you plug any running back in there, they're going to produce. So is he really worth it or not? And I don't think he has a leverage that Le'Veon did and Le'Veon still failed in his efforts, you know, of getting that contract. Um Zach uh, or Ezekiel Elliott, he has the whole aspect of you have a whole other year, you know, so maybe he reports week one. But but the problem that I see really is that I think he'll eventually come back to the Cowboys. But when he does, it may be too late in the season for me to really, um, you know, hold on to him and spend that much money. I mean, he's already thrown a million dollars away potentially from minicamp missings. Uh, I would what's to say he's going to just not throw away three million dollars for this year and just wait to try to get a big contract next year. So, Vince, one of the things that Tony brought up in the intro as we were talking, uh, setting up this podcast was that, you know, you could potentially keep or I guess draft Zeke for about the 52 in there and essentially have four keepers. Um, You know, so let's say that the situation doesn't change by this time next week when we're drafting, you know, how much would you be willing to spend on Zeke? That's a great question. I mean, um, I guess it depends on when he pops up in the draft. You know, if it's early on, um, I'm probably not willing to spend um, even $50 if he's, um, you know, if if he he comes up, I don't know, second or third in the draft or fourth in the draft. And we say, you know, we have no idea if he's going to report week one. There's still no... Um, better relationship. I mean, obviously his agents have both have all said what a disrespect that Jerry Jones has uh, bring upon rung upon them, you know, with this, this comment. So I think that it's really risky right now to even say, 
that he's going to report week one, week two, week three, week four. So why would I? That's just dollars on the drain that I'm spent on a on a on a on a draft pick that I can I can throw at uh, a couple of good running backs. And being it that it's a flex flex league, I think you can pull in another running back that is um, you know two running backs at for that value very easily to bring all those points in. Um, Obviously, I think that there's um, a risk to not spending the money, but can I spend more money on an, another player that gets thrown in that is more sure option? That maybe is, you know, five points a game less, okay? But I can make that up with the money I save and put it towards another player. That leads pretty well into, um, you know, what, what's your strategy for going into your first auction draft? You know, you haven't, haven't experienced this before. Um, have you tried any mock drafts in ESPN? How are you preparing yourself for this? I uh, I did some mock drafts in my sleep over the past few months because I've been having nightmares about this draft. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I, I hope to attend the B-dubs experience. And I know that with that um, will be a lot of alcohol and a lot of pressure and, um, you know, uh, taunting, if you will. Um, so I'm anticipating that there's going to be, you know, some somewhere along the lines as soon as I'm on, you know, online to go pick my my player i'm gonna have an office you know an, a, a random b-dubs internet dropout um i'm expecting all that so i know that my draft strategy is kind of basically be thrown out the window and lit on fire as soon as i get there but from my previous drafts and trying to translate it to an auction draft i basically go in and have some solid players that i know that uh that i'm going to target and and say that I'm willing to spend extra money on those players because I think that they will be healthy and they will produce each week. And and as long as I can just guarantee, you know, that I, I don't have to constantly swap out the lineup and keep looking at the waiver wire, um, I think that that's my strategy of just trying to find those players that I really want to spend the money on, um, especially now that I have all this extra cash from not keeping Zeke. I've got um, Galloway. Galilea, whatever his name is, Galladay, um, and uh, Ertz and Chubb very cheaply for my keepers that are going to deliver some solid results, I think. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things about an auction draft, as opposed to the traditional snake draft, is that you get these bidding wars where, you know, it's the same thing as when you go to to a real auction for for something. Um you know, you, you put a guy up there, you you get in those higher dollar ranges, and then all of a sudden it keeps going and going and going and going. And you see a guy like a couple of years ago, OBJ, you know, Kalen King gets him for 70, uh, just getting caught up in that in that competition. And we know it's a real thing. Um, so that's going to be the one thing that I'm going to be watching out of out of you having never done one of these before is how much do you get caught up in that competition or. Um, on the flip side of that, are you hesitant to go above maybe the ESPN price, even though it may only be for a few dollars um, when at the end of the draft, it, it really isn't going to matter those last three or four dollars. Um, so good luck to you with this with this draft. It's definitely a whole different strategy going into it than your traditional snake drafts. I do appreciate the advice. And, and honestly, um, you know, I, I'm, I've never been to a personal auction, you know, in, in live in person, but I have uh, become an avid eBayer. Um, 
you know, as I purchase a bunch of my music equipment, uh, pretty much everything in this house uh, has been bought on eBay. And I do get that adrenaline rush of that last second, uh, you know, um, am I going to beat them by a cent? And um, eBay has made it very easy to to do that um, and to compete against other people. I'm very interested to find out how ESPN has um, – um, maybe this is where the mock draft probably is a good idea to see what is the uh, the format of can I just say just bid one dollar more and click a button or is it I, ha- I literally have to punch in five seven enter wait for the screen to reload because if that's the case then I'm definitely going to be I think uh, a little bit uh, more on edge when it comes to the draft especially in B dubs with um, I'm going to get you know, the blazing wings, of course, and a couple of beers, obviously. So uh, my hands are going to be sticky. Who knows what the keyboard is going to do? <laughs> yeah. It, number of beers, Vince, Cause that's how you get two kickers right there. <laughs> <laughs> and hold Dan Pagano for 18 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for your information though, you do get both options on that. So you can plug in a price if, you know immediately, hey, I want to start this bidding at $30 because I don't want to sit through everybody hitting $1 bids for two minutes. Or once you get up to the point where, you know, it's starting to slow down, you can just hit the $1 bid button. So you get a little bit of both there. But when you hit the dollar bid, the clock adds an extra, I want to say, five to ten seconds every time. So you can't do the eBay thing and slip your bid in at the last second and it gets accepted. So you're so, saying this is one of those uh, Ponzi schemes that you see on TV about four in the morning where they say, you know, you just go to this website and you can bid. You can buy a TV, a 56-inch plasma flat screen curved TV for three cents. If you just stay up long enough and you just you wait it out and you keep clicking and, you know, you go one cent at a time, that's what the ESPN draft is for auctions. Nailed it. <laughs> well, I'm all about Bingo. Ponzi schemes. So cheers to that. So, Vince, shifting gears here, you know, as we look to the start of the season coming up here real soon, we have a couple rivalries that we're looking forward to. And, you know, we had the whole episode uh, recently on the, the schedule release and the rivalries. And we have you and a couple big ones here. So, week two, you going up against Tony Perenni for the battle. Of the Avery tape dispenser. Are you excited? Well, who couldn't be excited about a tape dispenser with the Avery Dennison triangle logo just plastered on it? You know how many tape dispensers I have in my house that I think, you know what? It's just not the, you know, it's obviously, it's a Staples one, so it works really well and it never clogs up. I need the Avery Dennison one that just jams up on me constantly and that I can't even get, you know, I got the 3M tape or I got the Avery Dennison tape. Which one am I going to use in this? Obviously the Avery Dennison one. That's the one I want. The one that basically sticks and then falls off as soon as I put it on to the piece of paper. So that's what I'm looking for. And and Tony, if you think you're going to pry that out of my cold, dead hands, good luck, buddy. Oh, that tape dispenser's coming home, Vince. Don't, don't worry about it. It's coming over here. I got a spot ready for it already. <laughs> Is that the spot All jammed up and everything. When we when we draft a, a rookie quarterback, is that the spot that I sit in over there, or is it going to be a different spot? <laughs> That's the spot, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> right next to the liquor shelf, good. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, Vince, in addition to the battle for the Avery Tape Dispenser, you are also going to find yourself in another competition this year, and that is for Rookie of the Year. So you are going to be going up against Charlie Thurber in Week 6 and in Week 9. Now, right in the middle of bye weeks, uh, how how confident do you feel that you can take home that Rookie of the Year award? You know, I kind of feel like Brandon Whedon in this situation where, you know, I'm a rookie technically, but I think that I have enough experience playing baseball for a while that I can actually, you know, I can use my, you know, years of experience uh, against um, Charlie. I don't even know. I've never I've never met Charlie yet. um, Right. So I, I, I don't know who he is as a person. I can just assume that he doesn't know anything about fantasy football. I'm going to go with that, um, that that presumption and just bank on that. And then I'm going to just destroy him. He's going to even he's not even going to see it coming. Um, and he's never seen me, you know, the, the, the five minutes before the one o'clock mark starts where I can just basically, you know, pull out random people off my bench and say, oh, you weren't expecting that. And all of a sudden they produced 40 points. And, you know, that's my strategy basically for, uh, for week, uh, what was that week, week three, week six and week nine, week six and week nine. Okay. Oh, so, um, basically I'm going to force a 69 situation and I'm going to tell him I don't do that. And he's going to have to figure that out. <laughs> that that commentary had everything. Brandon Whedon, 69 <laughs> reference. <It's... laughs> We're going to have Vince on here more often, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Vince, Vince, you're working your way into a regular segment. Am I going to be co-host? That's the question. That's what I'm working for. If I drink enough bullet bourbon, I may get there in about a couple of weeks. Depends on where my holdout status is at. <laughs> yeah, you do need to get paid more, Tony, by the way. I'm booking my trip to Cabo next week. It's, <laughs> staying here just isn't doing it for me. Listen, Tony can get us more listeners, then we get more ad spots, and we get more money. Until then, Tony, you're going to deal with the salary I'm paying you, which I think is more than fair for how many listeners you've brought to the show. Uh, and so, you know, go enjoy Cabo. <laughs> oh, I will. The least you could do is give him a professional studio microphone. I don't even see that in his in his studio. That's I think the next upgrade for him. Listen, I like his undersized headphones. I think they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they look like children, like a Michelin sponsored. <laughs> Guys, this episode's gonna get shut down. You know the number of copyright infringements we've had in the show. <laughs> Avery. There's 3M, there's Michelin, there's Stay Grandpa's home. Cheese Bar, which is technically a real place. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Shame <laughs> shame on me. Shame on me for using it. It's too funny. Oh, by the way, can I mention that my wife, Amanda, that everybody I think pretty much knows at this point, she's been disabled pretty much the entire, you guys, entire time you guys have known her. Um, she came up with that idea uh, for Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Uh, when she was uh, high on uh, the, the the pre-effects of anesthesia, they give you basically um, what is Derek? You may know this one. Uh, what do they <laughs> What do they give you right before surgery to just kind of get you loopy, and and then they give you the anesthesia itself? Uh, usually, some type of benzo, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, man or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those, one of those, and she was high as fuck. And I said, "What should I choose as as uh, as my sport, my co- corporate sponsor?" And she said, "Grandpa's Cheese Barn, meat, cheese, and fudge." <laughs> Sold. She's high. So, as fuck. <laughs> she's about to go into surgery. 
Now you're talking about your fantasy football name. That's how dedicated I am to this league, Dad. Damn it. <laughs> and that's how you win rookie of the year. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Vince, let's uh let's shift gears here because I think we desperately need to. Uh Let's talk about the ACT punishment. Now, Now you're first in this league uh, as a rookie. You know that this has been the penalty uh, for the last couple of years. I think you also know we haven't had anybody actually take the ACT. So, A, do you think the ACT is too harsh? And then secondly, uh, if, if so or maybe if not, do you have another penalty in mind or do you, have you heard an idea on the podcast that you're a fan of? I got about 12 pages of notes on this one, so let's go into this. So, you know, really, I think that the ACT punishment, that was the main reason why I joined, because not that I wanted to actually take it, um, but the, the, the fear of taking it kind of, is, you know, especially in the setting of a classroom, being so hungover and just reeking of alcohol and having all these 17-year-olds. I remember taking ACT. If I saw some fucking bum come into the place and say, I, I forgot my number two pencil. And, they, you know, that that's going to be great, you know, like for those kids. It's going to bring adversity to them. They're going to have to figure out how to get through that. It's actually going to be a life lesson, I think, in the long run. But... That being said, I mean, I do get where Joe Reedy, you know, he basically comes out and says, let's do it in the bar and let's, let's, you know, kind of centralize it where you still take the test and you, you know, that, I think that's a good punishment too. Um, but you gotta, I mean, the memorabilia kind of thing, the, the, let's get some swag say, you know, have a banner saying this motherfucker's taking the ACT, you know, come fuck with him the whole time. Like those are the kind of things you got to have going on in the bar you can't just have them in the corner taking a test and we're just all ragging at them you got to publicly humiliate this person and i think that's what the you know the essence of going and taking it with all these other high schoolers is all about now i do think as a professional career i fear that somebody gets wind of that and and is that is that going to do anything i don't know but there's obviously that that fear is it going to really destroy some kid's life probably not but who knows you know i've had the cops called on way smaller things than that before so who knows what could potentially happen luckily i don't you know i don't i don't think that we have many problems with the cops i don't have a record uh too large but you know i i think that this uh this whole um stand up comedy routine that we got uh, suggested. Who was that? Was that was that um, Kevin? Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, I, I thought Kevin. I remember Kevin talking about it. I can't remember if he suggested it. So that's actually that's a great suggestion. Now um, it still provides public humiliation, um, and it also uh, it demands a lot, and it's also just a good night for us to, for all of us to go out. So I think. Doing it in a bar, the ACT, um, or going out and having uh, a stand-up routine, you know, done. Um, by the way, the rest of these notes are really my stand-up routine. I've already started practicing. Um, not saying that I'm going to get last, but just in case, I've been actually working on the stand-up routine for about five years. So if that happens, I'm okay. I'm kind of going towards the stand-up routine just because of that simple fact that I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, and Grandpa's Cheese Barn definitely says that they will sponsor the stand-up routine um, and, and provide me with a big old fucking hat, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a barn uh, with meat, cheese, and fudge. 
because grandpa says eat more cheese, but he also says eat more meat and fudge. Um, anyways, that's going to be plastered on my head while I do the stand-up routine if I were to get last place. But that's my kind of stance on the ACT punishment. You definitely need something because um, there's if you don't have a punishment, then you don't have the risk and reward and, and enjoyment and anxiety and uh, adrenaline that runs through every single week going through fantasy. I've had so many leagues where I was bored out of my mind trying to just say, okay, well, I don't really care if I win this week. Not a big deal. What do I lose? Ten bucks. Great. Okay. This is pride. This is heart and soul that you throw in blood, sweat, and tears, um, by the way, uh, which my blood is pure olive oil. Uh, virgin olive oil, a little bit of garlic, and a lot of whiskey. So, good luck with handling that, folks. <laughs> Vince Gorgonzola, everybody. Vince, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll be sure to talk to you soon. Oh, and I just want to say Grandpa's Cheese Barn does sponsor Willowick Restaurant and Lounge on September 27th. Uh, starting at 8.30, Gal and the Groove Souls are going to be playing. So, if you want to bring, uh, you know, some cheese, meats, and fudge, or you want to just have it at the bar, I'm sure they ha- they're going to have it. So just want to shamelessly plug that one more time for Grandpa's Cheese Bar. Not for me, obviously. Definitely. A can't-miss event. Mark it down, <laughs> people. September 27th, 830, Willowick Lounge. Be there. <laughs> Vince, thank you very much, my friend. Cheers. Always a pleasure talking to Vince Gorgonzola. Uh, definitely not shy on animation. Uh, Tony, what'd you think about his, uh, his decision to not keep Zeke? Uh, that, that was a fun one. I, I, I think he's got some good reasons for not keeping him. I don't, I don't blame him. There's a lot of risk involved there, but there's still, there's a chance out there that if he wants to go make a run at him in the draft, that's still alive and well as a possibility. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Zeke when the draft comes around from a pricing standpoint. But I think, I get the feeling that Vince is pretty content with where his team is right now. And uh, we'll see how he handles his first auction draft. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to see if he does any mock drafts ahead of time, because it is that first, that first auction draft. um, You know, I think a lot of people make rookie mistakes. And so if you can do that in a mock draft format, kind of see where guys go, obviously it'd be a little different with keepers and whatnot, but um yeah, I'm curious to see what his strategy is coming into his very first auction draft. Yeah, anybody who hasn't done it before, I would definitely advise them to at least do, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the auction draft. You don't need to sit there and do the whole. I mean, auction drafts will take probably hour and a half, two hours for the full thing. You don't need to sit there and see the values on every single person, but just so you get a feel for the format, you know, how the ESPN system works when you put a bid in, um, how it resets the clock, just so you get, get a sense of the cadence. So anybody who's not, real familiar with the process i would definitely recommend just go do 10 minutes of a mock draft on espn just so you know kind of what you're look when you're what you're walking into uh, i think that's that's sound advice tony all right reminder to everybody trade period is open actually trade period now doesn't matter uh keepers are in so the next date on the calendar is monday August 26th, 8 p.m., our draft. That's Eastern time. Charlie and Steve, not on the East Coast. Uh, make sure you get your dues into Joe Reedy before draft day. Uh, and catch us next time. We will be finishing out our preseason coaches talk. 
with Charlie Thurber, another rookie in the league, going to be up for Rookie of the Year candidate. We're going to be talking to him about his keepers, uh, his strategy coming into the draft. And uh, he is not short on fantasy football experience. So on behalf of the Fortune 500 League, he's Tony Perenni. I'm Derek Frost. Here's the hoping you don't have to sharpen your pencils. Catch you next time. Yeah, and and in the intro here today, you know, we we brought up that, you know, with Zeke, he's... Fuck, I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Rewind. You said something about Zeke in the intro, Tony. I forget what it was. I can edit all this shit up. Was it me throwing out that Vince could just go back after him, and if he even if he pays fifty two bucks, it's like he got a fourth keeper, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what that I was point? going for. Yeah, yeah that's that point. He's smart. Smart. <laughs> yeah, that's why we keep him around. <laughs> no pun intended. It's not for the good looks. <laughs> you you kind of look like uh, you just need to put on the black frame glasses, and you'll instantly look like uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Pelt. Van Pelt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Van Pelt could even grow a beard. <laughs> no. Good point. Good point. <laughs> and the beard's migrating to your chest and shoulders there. You know, it's just kind of just emanating. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the Italian fur. Yep. <laughs> I'll grow yeah, into so- mine. Don't worry. <laughs>